When the days are grey and dreary And the nights are drawing in There's a place that's gay and cheery Where they'll take you for a spin So come on, forget your trouble Keep your eyes on the skies above You can always Hello and welcome to Female Pilot Club. If you don't know us, you should immediately be tuned to Series 1 and catch up, where you'll find out we take spiffing female-written sitcoms up for a spin by getting top comedy talent to read them out loud in front of a barely consenting audience. If you do know us, well, you probably wouldn't be listening, to be honest. I know I wouldn't, anyway. Um, I'm Wing Commander Kay Stonham. And I'm resident actor, trainee pilot and proud new mum, Emily Chase. By God, it's good to be out of the house. I bet. And in the guest pilot seat this week, we have a very familiar figure. Very familiar to us all. Can she is guess the... who it is yet? <laughs> it's a mystery. It's Fenella Fielding. That's a joke for the older listener. I can actually do a Fenella Fielding. Can you? Go on. Wait a minute. I was going to say Joanna Lumley. Oh, don't. You're too naughty. Isn't that her? It's very good. It's a cross between Vanilla Fielding and Miss Piggy, but I okay, like it. Fine. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, anyway, of course, <laughs> as you've now guessed, it is... The wonderful writer, performer, novelist extraordinaire, Abigail Badez. Hello. Yes, Abigail has written many comedy shows, including Watson and Oliver, Tracy Ullman's show, and That Mitchell and Webb Look. She has also written lots of kids' TV, including Paddington, Sorry I've Got No Head, and Sobino. And now she's writing books. Mm, that sounds good when you say it all together. It does. Welcome said back. So many years of work. So very few minutes of actual TV time. <laughs> Don't add it up. Never add it up. <laughs> Welcome back, Abby. How does it feel to be on the other side of the mic? Feels super weird. Does it? Feel weird. Okay, Abby, let's have a beer call. Take our bags off and debrief. You said I wouldn't have to do the slang. Game. I lied, Emily. I lied, as usual. Right. Chin, chin, pip, pip. Thank Last you. one to the nappies. A giffle banger. Giffle banger? I made that one up. Okay. I just ran that out. I've literally like a... run out of Yeah, slang. you've been away a long time, Abby, because okay. you've gone to pop. <laughs> Anyway, so we at Female Pilot Club know what your sitcom Big of Me is all about, but our listeners out on the podosphere, tuning in on their Bakelite laptops, don't. So could you please give us your parachute pitch? The scene is the plane's going down on fire. You've jumped out wearing the only parachute when suddenly the commissioning editor of Stars grabs you <laughs> on your oh, yes, Stars. Obviously, shh. It's the commissioner of stars. So you'll have no idea who he is and you're shocked he's got a commissioner at all. Yeah. But obviously you take this opportunity to pitch your show to them before you both hit the ground. Go. It's about a woman married to two men. That's it. <laughs> wow. Crash. I'm hooked. Yeah, there you a go. very low-flying aircraft is all yeah. I can say about that. What's worse than having one husband? Having two husbands. Fantastic. We love it. We produced that. In fact, we already did. And this is a comedy about bigamy, which I remember as being a sort of staple comic scenario back in the 70s. If any of you remember the 70s? Wasn't alive, sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Only me then. Um, but the two wives thing, I can't really remember a sitcom about well, a that... woman with two husbands. Yes, there you go. That's why? why I did it. That's why I did it. Because I just think they're always having those bigamy sitcoms, aren't they? Where it's like, oh, no, I've got one wife, this Heather Locklear. And the other one is sort of, you're like, that's not a problem. It's not a problem that you're married to two gorgeous women who are going to wipe your ass for you. It's, it's having two husbands, that's a problem. It's an insight into your love life then. You know what I mean? Not your ass, but anyway, yeah. So I just thought it would be more fun to, I just was trying to find a way to write about that thing, which I think a lot of 
uh, women feel, which is that they're kind of um, they're kind of servants. <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of servants um, to their families, and they go around, you know, chauffeuring them and cleaning for them and sorting things out and doing their admin and doing blah 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 and wiping so, up solid poo and wiping up solid poos. And so I just thought, oh well, what if you what if you complicated that by made it by making it two different families and then you'd have a chance to kind of look at what a family is and and all of those that that sort of thing and i and so i was specifically trying to do a servant of two masters but the masters are your husbands kate not only has two husbands she also has a very overbearing mother-in-law <laughs> oh really do you <laughs> Not me. Oh, Kate. Oh no, a Kate. Oh, well, I don't no. know. Kate. Kate. The, uh, my like protag. Kate. Yes. My you. Pro- sorry. My protagonist Kate does have a very overbearing mother-in-law. Yes, she does. So yeah. So I just wanted to go like, what's what are the worst things about being married, and let's make them even worse. And also, like, I think that's quite often I, with the mother-in-law. I kind of wanted to make um a different other woman. Like there's always, there's quite often an affair or like another. And so I was like, quite often, I think the other woman for people is actually your husband's mother or your husband's sister or, your, you know, someone. And so who gets all their attention at the time and you're a bit like, mm, I can't even complain about it because there's nothing wrong with it. And so, yeah, but mm, I mean, that's not true for me. Because I am now the overbearing mother-in-law. Rather oh, yeah. than, well, yes, of course. I mean, now because, oh yeah, my son has his own girlfriend. Uh, my so you're daughter, not the official. Not the official mother-in-law, but, you know, it's, it's in that position, isn't it? So I try not to be. I don't know, though. If it's not official, do you have the status? I don't do you? know. That's, I don't know. You, what, you mean, are you trying to say you can be overbearing and it doesn't matter because you're not the actual? Yeah. Oh, I, I might go for that one. <laughs> Sounds good. I think the, we actually have a clip, don't we? Of the wonderful Zindu V, who played this particular overbearing. Zindu was very funny. Mother in law. Knock, knock! Lalis, <laughs> <laughs> 54, a gorgeous woman with all the confidence of, say, a celebrity chef, <laughs> comes straight in carrying a tray that fits over the bar, laden with treats. Bark snacks! <laughs> Brilliant. Snacks. Well, yes. I've never, I can say, of all the things I've done to my son, I've never brought him and his girlfriend snacks in the bath. I oh, can, well. You know, so I can't be that bad. Yeah, so her problem, the problem of that mum is, that mum-in-law is that she's, well, she's she's almost the same age as Kate, and so... And Not Kay, Kate. Kate. Just to clarify. Kate. <laughs> she's almost the same age as Kate, and also very glamorous and kind of, so she's kind of a better woman than her in many ways, you know, in the... Yeah, she's the yeah, perfect. She's cook, the perfect cook. She? She's perfect. She's a perfect kind of glamorous, wonderful individual, and who sits around with her husband watching sexy TV, and then Kate's a bit like, "What's going on?" Anyway, it's a very funny character. I mean, it's a really is the is the overbearing mother-in-law making a comeback? Is the mother-in-law making a pump, a comeback? Because I hope only in my sitcom. Only Nobody in your else sitcom. do it. Nobody <laughs> else can get away with it. I like writing. I like writing mothers. I like. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting relationship, and that sort of. And I think uh, mother-daughter or mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships aren't often examined. They're quite. They're quite complex and massive and interesting, mm. aren't they? So it's yeah. also universally relatable. Is it? Yes. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Is it, Emily? Well, you got a. I say no more. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think it's that thing of like when we lost all the mother-in-law jokes back in the 70s, which was absolutely right that we should, obviously, getting rid of all the stereotypes. That was great. But we also lost some of those big characters that, that women got to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the, what's, who's the mum in Everybody Loves Raymond? I'm obsessed with that actress. I think she's amazing. Yeah, she, I can't remember her name, but she's, she's really funny. so really good. funny. Mm. And so I think having those kind of huge, yeah, those kind of huge characters who are a real nightmare for the younger generation is great so i was trying to do i was trying to do a mother-in-law with a spin so she's you know she's um not your stereotypical mother-in-law she's got she has uh annoying she's annoying in new and interesting ways Mm. (laughs) you know being pretentious and being all those sorts of things so um yeah she's a she's a very much a a mother-in-law sort of point two oh, isn't she? She's not yeah. a, a traditional one. She's, she's not like a own. battle axe. No, although she's, I love a battle axe. Yeah, I do. Say. I me too. I love a battle axe, but um I, she's she's or well, she's her battle axe qualities are covered up. Mm, mm. Yeah. Even more threatening in some ways. The gorgeous mother in law. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Actually we've got one more clip of Cindy V, which shows us getting another laugh out of uh, us mother in laws as I'm now going to going to call myself. Planet's always there. With bath snacks. She what? She'll be sleeping in your shitting bed next. Kate looks shifty. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's only when Rav gets ill. So that was the amazing Izzy Sooty there playing yes. your work friend. Yes, she was very funny. He gave you very bad advice in the story, as I remember. <laughs> Did give you very, very bad advice. And then she got the, the, the character that I was playing, Kate, not me. Not me, Kate. Kate, Kate, Kate. Kate not Abby, um, Kate. I myself am not a bigamist. She, yes, she, she, the, yes. she was playing, she was playing my, um, the Kate's, so Kate is a relate counsellor in it. Of course she is because she has two husbands. So she has co-therapist in the, in the relate office. And Izzy was playing that, the boss. With Brilliant. hilariously bad relationship advice. Yeah, amazingly bad relationship. <laughs> in fact, I use bad therapists as like a as a sketch, like teaching tool, as like because any you can write about a million different bad therapists. Like how how you know you have to be a lot of things well to be a good therapist. So you can take out any one of those things and and write. But her, her particular problem was that she's just she's very rude, isn't she? And kind of yeah. Very rude and very judgmental. Oh, yes. Hilariously <laughs> judgmental. Yeah. Which yeah. is perhaps not a great trait for a therapist. <laughs> but enjoyable for a sitcom character. I love a very therapist funny. sketch. And we we always say in Female Pilot Club that we like scripts with jokes in, and your script does have some really good jokes. Thank you. So <laughs> maybe um, for any would-be comedy writers, how would you go about writing a good joke? I think they tend to come naturally. I do think... I do think it's worth workshopping a joke if you need a joke. So I do I do, do a weird board, like a weird mind map sometimes when, I don't know where I've got that one from, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I really need a pun which relates this, relates vegetables to God. And then, and then so I do vegetables and God and then try and look look for the connections. So Did I you think, find one? <laughs> not in that particular made-up example but um but yeah generally i think that's actually like trying to i don't know it depends on what you think a joke is isn't it like i often think of it as a yoke joke a yoke which is so it's you yoke together two heterogeneous concepts and so that's so sometimes if you if one doesn't occur to you if you don't see the connections between things immediately you can try and find them 
Oh, mm. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like, um, you know, like trying to make a list joke, which we always oh, used to love. love Back, an, I, I love a list love joke. a list joke. And the king of the list joke used to be Tony Roach. Very posh writer now, of course, on Succession. But yeah, yeah, he he's has very, written the very funniest well. list jokes ever. Really, really funny. And um, Can that, you tell us about list jokes? I don't know about list jokes. Basically, it's just a list of things yeah. which build up to, and sometimes have a joke within the list as yeah. well, which build up to a very funny joke, which is the kind of the reveal and the key to the list sort of thing. It's It's, it's kind of... You know, it's a way of packing lots of laughs into a short amount of space. And um, I mean, you can do it on anything, can't you? Yeah. It's a really good way to generate jokes. It really is a good way to generate jokes. And when we used to write a lot of radio comedy and a lot of sketch shows in the past, it would be like a standard of, of that kind of... Oh, right. Yeah, okay. That kind of joke, uh, that kind of comedy, really. You know, what are the best, what are the best things to say... To somebody who you want to go on a date with you, or what are the best, yeah. you know, like just to generate stuff. Another thing that's really important with jokes is set up and payoff. Oh, yes. Which... Yeah, yeah, of course, that's true. And when I teach joke writing with actors, particularly, I got on about this to UK about my, it's called The Hermit's Message. So it's a little game that I devised where the actors have to come and one of them's a seeker of truth. And one of them is the guardian at the gate of the hermit. And one of them is the hermit. And so the seeker of the truth has to go, oh, I've come a long way. Oh, I've had to take eight trains to get here. Oh, it was a nightmare. Oh, they like, have to describe their terrible journey to get there. And then the guardian has to ask them three questions. And they have to say yes to whatever the guardian says. And then if they say yes three times, they get access to the hermit. And the hermit has, I've already previously said to the hermit, you've got to write down piece of life advice which is very very important you really need this advice to get by in your life so it's so it's like um you know and people will be like always eat beans or whatever you know it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter it's just that it's just to teach them the format of a joke so someone comes in there is a complication and then there is a punchline does that make sense? Can you can you picture it? Yeah, pretty good. Go. Pretty good game. I like that's it. That's a good. That's my um. Yeah, it's quite... I'm nicking that one. <laughs> okay, but we do have a clip, which is a payoff of the gag that we had earlier. No, I wouldn't do this because I'm not a sick fuck who sleeps with their own kid. No offense. <laughs> 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 you haven't, you're not afraid of a dark joke there. <laughs> quite dark. No offence. Got a very good laugh. So They've got yeah. a nice laugh. For the no offence. Yeah, it's love dark. Yeah, you never know whether you're taking them with you, do you? So it's it's nice when you do. No, I mean I've got I've got one husband, and that's um, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I could actually deal with two. So where were you going with the story? Like, what was she ever going to choose between the two men? Or this is quite interesting actually, because I've actually revisited this quite recently, and I'm rewriting it with a different twist on it so in the my plan with the sitcom i was planning to make it that she was choosing between you you wanted to you shipped her with different husbands for each series yeah so i i really love younger i've gone on about this before where the the print the lie the central lie is that she's pretending she's 15 years younger than she is and then at the end of every series they reveal it to somebody else and then so you ha- they have to up the tension by cr- by creating another external tension so they'll go oh well you've it's been revealed that you're lying about this but that um 
you, now you've got a special publisher's deal that's only available to young people. Or, do you know what I mean? Like it's another reason, another thing for her to lose if it comes out. So, um, so I sort of thought, oh, it's interesting with bigamy because obviously it's a really big stakes because if it comes out, you would go to prison. It's really bad if people find out. So I was going to do like a each series, somebody else is revealed and they find out. And the, so at the end of the first series, her best mate finds out and then blah, blah, blah. But um, I've been kind of rethinking it as a thriller with a thriller element now because I've gone dark again. Yeah, because I seem to be like the thriller stuff seems to be going down quite well at the moment. So, so I'm still doing the jokes, but I'm also doing quite a lot of death. But I don't have much hope for that mother-in-law. I think she's the first to be found in the study with a candlestick. I mean, it sounds great, but it's it's quite a big change, isn't it? Like structurally and tonally, because at the moment, like bigamy, yeah, it's, it's, funny, it's a funny. farce, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, the structurally, yes. it, and it's really a funny and well-written farce. Um, and you've got some great big farcial moments, including like even like throwing your body between um, the door and the mother-in-law, you know, which, which made me laugh a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really yeah. enjoy farce, but it's not always popular, is it? Do you like a, a good farce? I do. I love stru- I love structuring farce. So I like, you know, like those elements in it where, so I'm talking about my own script, which you guys haven't even seen, but that like there's a bit in it where she inadvertently looks like an old woman. So there's like loads and loads of, he's, he said to her, I'll love you even when you're old and gray. And then she becomes old and gray by the time next time he sees her. And so there's also, so she's kind of got gray hair and specks and she can't see to count that. And so, yeah, so like, I love like doing satisfying structures of kind of where you, you kind of make utterly ridiculous things happen step by step until you so that you believe it as you go along that's all that's the idea anyway yeah i do i wrote a farce actually i wrote a play that was a sex farce sex farce i did yeah where did you get inspiration for that from (laughs) (laughs) well if i tell you the concept for the play you might be able to guess um it's about a play that's about a writer who writes a play so she can have sex with some hot young actors. So Where, it doesn't count as adultery. <laughs> Where do you get your ideas from? Where do I get them from? <laughs> so, yeah, so I wrote that. But it's actually never gone on. If anyone oh. wants it, if anyone wants it, we could do it. But, um, yeah, so I, I wrote that, which is like a proper old-fashioned sort of... I mean, it's about obviously it's about, like, what are our boundaries and what are the boundaries of art and what are the boundaries of cheating and all of those sorts of things. But hopefully with but it's in the format of kind of like a proper 70s, 70s K sex farce. I love the 70s. It's very What's much wrong with them? I don't know. You know, what's wrong with them? I mean, her entire objective during that farce is to come. That is her stated objective. She just wants to have an orgasm on stage because she's not going to get another opportunity to That was pretty one. much my 70s. I was going to say, I think that would probably be a lot of women's objectives exactly. throughout every Stuck decade. Around. Yeah. But, you know, going <laughs> back to, like, what women can and can't write, I mean, when you said, oh, it's a sex farce, immediately I thought, oh, have women ever written any sex farces and none spring to mind? Do we get the chance to write sex farces well i mean I, I certainly didn't get the chance to put that on so i was kind of thinking maybe more it was broadly. a bad idea but yeah no i don't, I, don't any... know. I think i can't think of anything i mean i love farce i love um frasier's my favorite sitcom so i've gone on and on about frasier so i think i mean that's just fast a lot that's not just fast it's 
sublime farce a lot of the time there's a lot of that kind of you know, do you know what it's weird doing this because like usually Kay would tell me to shut up shut up <laughs> Feel better so now, now please like, be quiet. Now I'm going banging on about what I think in case not telling me to shut up. I don't you know, I've just got to point out that I've literally not told you to shut up once in any <laughs> any I mean and I call the tapes, you know, melange. I put the tapes. She just does it afterwards. Into she evidence. just goes, We'll cut that. You're banging on brilliantly. And it's absolutely. your yeah, job to bang on. It's my job now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Going back to fast. Yeah. What's great about it is that you don't have to be too naturalistic. And I think like Comedy's got a little bit, for me anyway, sometimes a bit hung up with being that hyper-real stuff and a little bit too naturalistic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of the whole hyper-real thing. I'm just not a fan because... It's a bit I think it's just that that's not what my life is like. <laughs> and so I just... Whenever people are kind of going, you know... It's In like, your head, at least. It's like things are, you know, exactly. But you're like, oh, isn't this how people talk? And people... I'm like, nobody has ever... You know, like, I see world, the world as if it's like there's just Victorian grotesques on every... Like, people screaming like you know i don't know don't don't trust me though because i've i with my book recently the publisher was like yeah it's just like the, these characters are so vast and insane and like mad and out and i'm like just literally me <laughs> my sister <laughs> my brother it's just us just talking in the normal way that we're like they're crazy characters so yeah so i maybe said the same like... to marvin peak when he wrote gormenghast and i don't think your life's dissimilar to be fair no no it's how you it's what you yeah it's how you view things isn't it yeah it is but you can take like you can take farcial situation i mean in, in a farce you can take situations you can blow them up yeah to like a really huge degree can't yeah but you? i mean like curb your enthusiasm does Absolutely. this brilliantly yeah. just a brilliant yeah. brilliant brilliant but it's classic sitcom, but it's got a real farce elements of, you know. That, you see that one where he had the plane that was too heavy? Like, the plane was too heavy because no one would tell, no one would be honest about their weight. What, their own weight? <laughs> yeah, and it got more and more ridiculous, you know. I didn't see that one, that sounds great. <laughs> Talking of blowing situations up, you yeah. know, to, to, a, to a high degree, here's a clip of you doing just that and I think it features our very own resident actor and proud mum Emily Chase I could tango down the street naked and he wouldn't look up from his film unless it's got ketchup on it it's not bothered yeah well I've got to your body shaving me now a bit of hair comes out from under her bandana yeah. That's the amazing Marek Larwood. Yeah. He's very funny. And with, with brilliant Emily Chase. Yeah. Um, yes, that was Marek. But again, yeah, I quite like the... I like big... That's a big character, isn't it? So just, just trying to... Try to it's just trying to communicate that stuff quickly, which you're trying to do as a writer. It's nice when actors pick up on it and they really go for it in the way that you did. It was like, yeah. Yeah, all those sort of like... I mean, another thing you're really good at is writing the kind of smaller characters really well and making them really well-defined and easy to distinguish. And all of the actors really picked up on that so well, didn't they? Yeah, they were great. They were really good. They were great. Emily, that was you that was. That was me. (laughs) And Um, we can hear Emily again, shall we? Yeah, yeah. We can hear Emily again. The thin woman clocks it. (laughs) Sorry. Have you got cancer or not? <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily, Northern accent. <laughs> yeah, my dad's Northern, it's in my blood. That's it. I always thought of you as like a West Country lass. No, that's that's my mum's side. Mm. Yeah. I thought she was Irish. That's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. You're always going to Ireland. There you go. That'll be why. What about the scaly brat? What's, he, what's his accent going to be? 
messed up. Do you know <laughs> what? Know. It is going to be difficult because a lot it of is. Irish, a lot of Irish people get really upset that their kids have English accents. But also, his <laughs> I my don't know. His accent is such a strong West Cork accent. I think he's going to come out with some really weird words. Going to get a bit of the West Cork. Be really he's going to be really posh. He's going to be like, oh hello, hello, daddy, and then your husband's going to be like, no. What have I done? But James has got an Irish accent. Has he or do I just miss it? Oh, my God. Are you joking? Seriously, has he really got an Irish accent? Yes. Oh, my God, really? He's got a really strong West Cork accent. Have you got two husbands? Because (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) That's what it is. Brought it back round. What is happening to Big of Me now? You've said that you might be rewriting it. Yes, I'm rewriting it. um, And um, for yes, I'm developing it as more of a of a dead to me type of thriller um with comic elements which now seems to be my new thing and what, and what of course we forgot to ask you is like what was it like for you on the night to have it to have it read out and... i wish i'd got somebody else to play kate i tried to find someone to play kate i really wanted somebody else so i could have watched it because it was great Did you feel to that? afterwards but i was just so i had so much anxiety about kind of just controlling the timing and trying to make sure that everyone could be heard and blah 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 blah, blah and that it was um you know it was I, I didn't have as much fun as i hoped because i would really like to have just seen it because then that's really useful isn't it to to see it but um yeah i should have just but then maybe if you you were so invested in that character that you you know if you'd have well had... i've criticized whoever did it and i'd be like oh, how dare you well you know no but it just might have been annoying in your head if it wasn't quite how you yeah. wanted certain bits to be yeah although i don't think i did it very well so <laughs> well, I, don't, I think you did do it very well oh, i yeah, think yeah. you're always funny and always really really good and always underestimate how funny you are so that is you know that it is in a way better to be able to enjoy watching yeah. your own stuff rather than having because you can't really you, you're just split aren't you you're mentally yeah split and it's just and, it would yeah I should have it would have been great to have, have seen it because the other actors were obviously doing a great job Finley Robertson so funny and Amachada Patel and they're all great and so part of me was just wanting to stop in the middle and go oh that was good oh you got a laugh out of that line oh well done and that was oh that's my bit oh I think it was useful playing it in that I could think about what it's like for an actor reading that because I think that it's a real thing that happens that protags tend to be underwritten because writers tend to write their they'll just go like it's me in some sort of way and so they don't give them really overpowering characteristics and so it was it was interesting looking at the script and going oh have I underwritten that there or have I have I made it clear what her problem is properly you hope you've done it with the plotting but it sometimes particularly in the dialogue I think protags can be a bit a bit underwritten I think that's really true and I think it's easy to get really carried away and enjoy the other characters who are providing the conflict and the obstacles for the leading character isn't it and then not really thinking about how do you make them funny. Yeah and also giving them enough laugh lines isn't it it's Mm. just going like. I was going to say I think that's definitely something I've noticed with ones that we have done if you think about the main character because there's so much focus on the smaller ones. I think quite often they do get lost. I think it's it's easy to do. I think it's particularly in a pilot because you're so trying to get this, introduce this whole world. Yeah. Mm. You don't necessarily go, and this is a chance to be hilarious or show off this funny. And of course, with her, her problem had to be essentially related 
to her the conflict, which is that who would find themselves an accidental bigamist? It's got to be somebody who is a people pleaser. So she's, because she is like, oh, I'll just do anything to, oh, just don't want other people to be upset. That character was like, oh, just don't want anybody else to be upset to a ridiculous sort of extent. That that in itself is quite a typically, it's a traditionally feminine trait or whatever of trying to go, oh, well, I must make other people happy. Mm, whereas complex... I male protags in sitcoms are often, you know, they don't know themselves, do they? They suffer from a lack of self-knowledge. And so yeah. they're always putting themselves, making themselves bigger and more impressive than they actually are. Yeah, rather, rather than, than less. less rather what, than self-effacing yeah. or, mm. you know, so that it, that's quite a difficult thing, I think, to play. Anyway. Yeah, hmm. I agree. Mm. I agree. That thing about giving the, the protagonist the, the laugh lines or the leads, anyway, the laugh lines. I, have you ever worked in one of those writer's rooms where you go through afterwards and everybody has to gag up the script I've never had the, the joy I would love to do that well I, I did it that once and that was something which I learned in in that process because they kept banging on about it and I have to admit that I kept as a writer I kept thinking why would you do that I don't I don't really understand surely the character that's that feels most appropriate to have that laugh line should have the line but the kind of the technique and the rule was give your leading characters the main laugh lines ah that's an interest that's interesting isn't it yeah it really it really was as bold as that you know yeah. give the important actors basically the laugh lines which <laughs> actually, going, i'll have that <laughs> to be fair it wasn't the actors doing yeah, it yeah, you know yeah, but, so. but that, that, that's what it yeah, amounts yeah. to i suppose i noticed your script had a lot of great visual humor in it Thank you. i was wondering what tips you would give to writers about how to write good visual comedy Ooh, writing action is really hard it's just really hard and so I I do that thing where you read it out loud because to try to get the rhythm of the shots right and and also like I I see a lot of scripts where people go we see or where I'm like don't do that you're wasting words so I suppose writing action where the rhythm of reading it is the same as the rhythm of watching it would be so trying to make visual jokes in the same rhythm so not giving away the pull away and reveal for example like sometimes I see that in action where people are writing and then this is you know stuff which you're it's obviously going to be oh no the white dress is going to fall in the mud or whatever it is I think that's Not, a good tip to read them out isn't it yeah, yeah. really yeah. good tip because that of course that's what we do on stage at Female Pilots Club and it's amazing how often we get really good laughs isn't it yeah on, for the stage direction on the stage yeah. directions uh, and, and you should got, get laughs on the stage yeah, direction you also got a lot of laughs on the stage directions I thought yeah yeah well, Matt Lacey was doing a very good job with them he, he was, was amazing yeah, he it's was actually good. very hard to read stage directions it is so hard it's such a hard job I know people I know comedians they always get comedians in to do it for table reads don't they so just to go to try and make it more interesting for the execs. So we definitely want to see Big of Me. We'd all love to to see it. And I think that... Um, you never Emmy, know. Might actually you? sell it now. I think. Put some murderers in it and it'll be... Okay. Could, exactly. could, you, could you chop a few women up? That usually gets things. Yeah, a, a few dead women. That's always Dismembered good. breasts. So I think this new direction for Big Me is, is really exciting, actually. And I'd really like to see it. Comedy or psychological would. thriller oh. or anything. We all would. Yes, um, and before we leave uh, the topic of Big Me, shall we have the last lovely clip, which is from the end of the show? Guy turns on the fairy lights. He's put an old-fashioned bath in the middle of the caravan and has somehow filled it with hot water. 
Rose petals float on the surface. Oh, Guy. Where did you... Not from a skip. <laughs> that was so funny. That got such a good laugh. It was such a lovely build-up, talking of visual storytelling. That was really, really nice. We were going to ask you about your writing process, but of course that must have changed uh, lately as you've written a novel. I have. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I've written, I have written a book about, um, it is a thriller about uh, Anna who discovers her biological mother uh, on the same day she discovers she's pregnant herself. And... Um, big day. Yeah, big day. And she sort of gets absorbed into this amazing world of you know, this um, wonderful, rich, warm woman who is her biological mother. And then you start to go, is this okay? Anyway, so it is a, yeah, so it's a th- um, thriller. And it will be out on Mother's Day. It is called Mother's Day. But I wrote that during lockdown. So I just basically ran out of work during lockdown. And so I wrote a film idea that I'd had a long time ago. Um, I suddenly thought, oh, God, I could write it as a book. And just started. I just I wrote it pretty quickly. I wrote it in about four months and just just got it out. Brilliant. I mean, what a terrific way to use lockdown. Yes. Well done you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really good because it was like the pressure was off somehow to earn money in in that, which I was very lucky that the pressure wasn't on to earn money. And I know, but I, I think something about just being in lockdown and going, well, there's nothing else I can do. I can't, you know, there's, no, there's nothing more that I can do to try and get work. So I'll just write this thing on spec. So mm. um yeah, because normally I'm just like, oh, have I got a tiny bit of work there? I might have a tiny bit of money. I'll follow that. I'll follow that. So I don't normally, like, you wouldn't normally write a big idea, which you have to invest in a lot. Mm. So um, anyway, that's I, I know I'm very privileged to have been able to do that. But um, yeah, so I wrote that. So when the pressure's off, it's easy to write quickly. It, when the pressure was off, I found it. I found that easy to write quickly. But I mean, it is quite uh, personal to me the story. So it's quite a sort of powerful. It's quite um, it's quite a full on story about kind of mental illness and uh, lots of things that are kind of relevant to my own life. So so did that yeah. make did that take any of the enjoyment away from writing it? No, it was, I found it very freeing. I found it really great and also to just put everything into this form of a thriller which is so you know like you know what a thriller is and so it was um so there are rules for how to plot it and all of those sorts of things which I really really enjoyed writing and I've always loved crime but I've never written it before so um I mean I'm a big 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 crime fan and so I just feel like, why have I never written a thriller? This is crazy. Anyway, so now I have, and now I'm writing a new one. So I got a, I sold it. Uh, so I got a two book deal. Amazing. So I've got, I'm writing the next one. And that should be out in 2024. I mean, it's really, really great to have something, you know, to celebrate, isn't it? And to say, you know, it's up, it's away, it's going. Presumably, there might it's be. It's not some... as exciting. You had Georgia Pritchard on. She had a god a series with Paul Rudd. Haven't got a series. Oh, that's what I need. Is a series <laughs> yeah, with yeah, Paul well, Rudd. Well, you know, maybe maybe Paul Rudd's going to have a part in the adaptation Let's of hope a successful so. novel. I would be. Del- yes. Well, you must be looking at that. Surely. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that yet. Well, you could just. Say, you can just say you're looking. We at are it. looking at. Yes, we're looking at. We are looking at adapting for the telly, which is fun. Yeah. 
And then it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we had Janice Hallett on, talking of other people we've had on who who wrote a very, very successful uh, book, didn't she? After having tried to, to write for television for some years and not really getting that far. Certainly she had a lot more interest in her TV writing, didn't she, once she'd written that book? And do you think... Do you think more women TV writers end up writing novels as a way of, you know, getting more interest in their ideas to perhaps take to TV? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know if that's why. Certainly, it's not really why I did it. I just did it because I had an opportunity to and then it came out. And I I think, yeah, maybe some people do. I think you get more, you have more control with a book. And so... When you're writing TV, everything changes from the first second that you suggest it and the beats change and everyone, and that's all part of it and it's a collaborative art form. Whereas with a book, you are in control of everything and it's your own universe and then you get to go. So I think perhaps if you're somebody who has an unusual style or um, something which is slightly cross-genre, writing a book could be useful because people go, oh, I see, so it's tonally, so my book is called pitched as black comedy so it's you know it's tonally comedy and thriller and so doing things where you go you show that to show the balance you sort of have to write the whole thing don't you so um well, I sound very full of myself in saying that um but like, well, I think, you know, yeah I think so I think it makes sense I think it can be useful to write if to write a book if if your voice is particularly unusual or particularly strange and weird you're a weirdo like me so yeah, I was thinking yeah so Abby I don't need to tell you that the female pilot club is very very exclusive because uh, you started it and uh, you were very definite at the beginning that we should not just let anyone in. I, I remember really being really yeah, definite about that, that, wasn't she? Yeah. You remember? Very exclusive. Very exclusive. Yeah. Let anyone in. Let anyone in. Um, but you are, of course, a lifelong founder member and can't get out. So which female exponent of the comic arts would you like to nominate to join the club? I am going to weirdly, I'm going to nominate Jane Austen. Oh, because I think she's not really remote. You don't really think of her as a comedy writer, but she is, of course, the most successful comedy writer in all of history. Indeed. So I thought just worth saying that. That's what those books are, isn't it? They're brilliantly plotted, amazing comedies. And they are. Yeah. And I suppose that's why they've been so successful in adaptations, etc. Et yeah. I mean, if she was selling the rights to her books now, yeah. I'll tell oh, you what. What would she be raking it in? Raking would she, it. Would she get as much as you? That's all I want to know. <laughs> Does she have many murders? I think I'm doing all right. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to say Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she doesn't need my help, Kate. <laughs> She does not need your help. Um, so she's in. She's in. Jane Austen. Jane Austen is definitely. She should be our patron. And I will be calling her agent tomorrow <laughs> to let her know the good news. She'll be very happy. Oops! That soothing sound tells us that our pink chit is up. Just time to whip off our foggles and take a safety trip to the biffy before landing. But don't worry, we'll be noses up and joystick down very soon when we take our next plucky pilot up out of her comfort zone to do battle against the impenetrable power of the comedy oligarchy. Hierarchy. I think you mean hierarchy. I know what I mean. 
I thought it was going to be a pun about pink chits, but no. Well, you know, pink chit yeah. is a real thing. It's a, it's it's licensed from your lady to go out for the evening. Oh wow, pink chit. That's what it pink is. Pink chit. Tell James he's got to ask for one next time he wants to go out. Emily, can you give me one to go out now? <laughs> Abigail Badez, it's been a joy and a pleasure as always. Thank An you so much. Absolute pleasure for being a guest. Thank on you for having Pete. me back. It's been very nice. We have missed you appallingly. But glad to have you back. And, and we can't wait to read your book. Yay! Yay! Goodbye from Female Pilot Club. Up, up and away. Why not follow us at Female Pilot Club on Twitter and Insta? The script was written by Kay Stonham and the show was produced by Emily Chase and Kay Stonham. It was edited and technically produced by Adam Bromley with music composed by Tim Sutton. If you enjoyed the show, please do like, subscribe, share and review. Until next time, up, up and away. You can